The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. In the next hour, you'll hear from some phenomenal people and healthcare leaders and learn how their challenges became opportunities. Our goal is to show you how you can positively influence your own life experience and purpose and achieve success. And now, here is your host, Danielle Delaney. Hi, this is Danielle Delaney, and this is The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. I am your host. And today, the spotlight is on my guest, Richard Tate. Richard Tate has a long, rich history of working with addiction. He is the founder and CEO of Cliffside Malibu Treatment Center. He is also the best-selling author of Ending Addiction for Good, and he was recently featured on Real Time with Bill Maher, talking about opioid addiction in America. Richard is often asked to comment on the topic of addiction across all media, including the Los Angeles Times, the New York Times, Fox News, Nightline, and the list goes on. In addition to all of that, he was featured as the preeminent addiction specialist and expert in the healthcare space in the documentary Prescription Thugs that was released earlier this year and is currently available on Netflix and iTunes. We're fortunate to have him here today and talking about addiction in America and all things addiction and recovery and the war on treatment. So welcome, Richard. Thank you. I'm very pleased to have you here today. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. You know just about everything there is to know in this, in this field, in this healthcare space, and I'm just delighted to have you. And there's so much going on, obviously, with the opioid addiction. We all know about that. We're hearing little bits and pieces of it all across the country, all across the nation. And I've seen you on Bill Maher. I've seen you just about everywhere talking about this. So, um, I really know that you know the most about this, and I want to talk to you about, first of all, let's get into how you began in this business. How did you get into the addiction treatment and recovery business? Well, I had a problem uh, with drugs and alcohol. Uh, I was very bad. Uh, For 20 years, I I literally uh, uh, was inebriated for 20 years of my life. Mm -hmm. And... uh, uh, I got well doing um, uh, uh, therapy called the Stages of Change model. Mm-hmm. It's really the trans-theoretical approach to behavior change, and it, it, I know that's a mouthful, but really it's to to dumb it down, okay, uh, not for your viewers, but for me, because I like <laughs> it that way. Um, really, what it's about is you've heard of the stages of grief, right? And you go through all these different stages. And based on where you're at in that moment, you know when you've processed it and moved through it, and there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Well, treatment is the same way. And there are uh, different levels or different stages that you go through, and you move somebody gently through each stage 
until they're in recovery. And it's not uh, the type of recovery where uh, it's a disease model, where every day is a struggle, where it's one day at a time. It's not that type of thing. And and I'm an advocate for AA. I love AA, but AA Mm -hmm. is not treatment, Mm -hmm. right? Right. And so there's a way to do this thing that is uh, that has uh, that is scientific, that has uh, proven results, and uh, we. I got sober that way, and because I got sober that way, uh, I wanted to model my treatment center uh, um, uh, in that in that way. Because what I realized was, if I could get sober after mm-hmm. trying to get sober for the better part of two decades and as bad as I was, then anybody can get sober. I mean, by anybody's account, I was one of the worst addicts they ever saw. Okay, wow. that's, not, that's, not, that's not a stretch. And uh, there's a gentleman by the name Dr. James O. Prochaska, mm-hmm. and he is the fifth most referenced psychologist in human history, and you've heard of the others like Sigmund Freud, Carl Jung, Erickson, and, and the like. Mm-hmm. And he actually developed this and figured out how human beings actually change their behaviors. So to uh, have a center where you are treating a behavioral disorder and not consult the guy who figured out how human beings change their behaviors is not just criminal, it's, 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 it's grossly negligent. I mean, it's yeah. just... it's. Do you see what I'm saying? So I do. If he created the changes of change, it's a it's a brilliant model to follow. Obviously, that's, that's great. Right. That's really great. That's, How young were you yeah. when your addiction began, Richard? Well, I started uh, uh, at 12, uh, and and got sober in 2003. So okay. that was a long time. I'm going to be 50 years old uh, next month. So. Well, congratulations uh, on all that sobriety that you have under your belt now and that you've well, done so you. much with this. Of course, of course. I know how hard it is, believe me, firsthand. And right. um, now, do you believe childhood led to your substance abuse? I've read your book, Ending Addiction for Good, and I think it's right. fantastic. I use it in my practice as well with my aftercare clients. And I just, Thank you. I really, you're quite welcome. I, I came to your book signing. I think it's fantastic, and it's really very helpful. And I'd like to know... What do you feel led to your own addiction? Because your story is relatable, and I'd like to let my listeners to hear that. And I believe that abuse in childhood, it, there's always a root cause. It's not about what you're doing. It's about why you're doing what you're doing. And I'd love you to talk right. about that a little bit. Okay, so this is what you've got to realize about uh, people who are abusing drugs mm-hmm. and alcohol. Life is too painful to to move through life not high or drunk it's mm-hmm. just it's just too painful it, it, they so it's not they don't view themselves as killing themselves with the drugs and the alcohol they view themselves as saving themselves right mm-hmm. saving themselves from from reality potential and and worse and 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 potential suicide or mm-hmm. or going insane or you know having complete mental breakdowns i mean this is life is too painful to not be high that is the key okay mm-hmm. so if that's the reality 
what's causing the pain? And I call them specific traumas and continuous traumas. Mm-hmm. So the specific trauma would be, God forbid, I'm a parent. If you lose a child, that is unnatural. That is the worst thing that can ever happen. Mm-hmm. Okay? You know, that's a trauma. That's something that's going to cause so much pain to where you have to self-medicate the pain. Um, God forbid a rape. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or somebody breaks into the house and, and beats you, or st- something, God forbid, horrible like that. These are specific traumas. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be something like a, a car accident and a surgery, right, uh, where you get addicted to these uh, 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 prescription opiates, right? And we can go mm-hmm. into that. <clears throat> and then there is something... Uh, called continuous traumas, which is basically um, not getting your basic needs met as a Mm -hmm. child. So Mm -hmm. let me paint this picture for your viewers. Please do. Please do. You're five years old. Your parents are, I'll give you something to cry about, you know, and and always Mm -hmm. being harsh with you and not showing you the love and the attention and the care that a five-year-old needs, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. today, parenting is different than it was when I was a kid, okay? My parents never got down on my level, listened to everything that I was saying, even though it wasn't important, because, you know, they didn't know, like I know now, if you're not down on your child's level and, and, and making what they are saying important, then they're not going to share with you the important things uh, mm-hmm. when they get older, right? Right. So, but, they, but, you know, we've got the information age and we're more evolved. Every, every generation is more evolved. Our parents didn't know, okay? Mm-hmm. And so what a five-year-old child thinks when he's not getting his need met, when he's not being nurtured and, and paid attention to and loved in the way that he needs to be loved, what he thinks is, is I'm bad. Mm-hmm. I'm bad. I'm a bad person. If I wasn't bad, mommy would love me. If mm-hmm. I wasn't bad, daddy would love me. Or so it's internalizing all that me. pain. That's right. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, is, you know, cognitively, a five-year-old doesn't have the sophistication to say, no, my parents just aren't parental. They're mm-hmm. just not attuned and involved and, right? So right. present. So there are none of these things. We can't make that distinction. It's just I'm bad. So you run that tape, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad, over and over and over. Every disappointment you get from every interaction that you get with your parents, and soon you're a 45-year-old man, okay? You mm-hmm. have no idea how that tape got started in the first place. It's just been perpetuated every day. Mm-hmm. And really, you're not bad because what five-year-old is bad? There are no bad five-year-olds. No. They're just bad parents. Kids aren't bad at five years old. So, But you've told yourself this for so long, you don't remember how it is this even came about. You just think you're a piece of garbage. Well, you just believe if it. you're a piece of garbage, then you have to self-medicate. Mm-hmm. That is the overwhelming majority 
of addicts, and that is why uh, they're addicted. Now, there's a predisposition issue that people always bring up. Aren't you predisposed if both your parents are alcoholics? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's probably going to be easier for you, the evidence says, to become uh, dependent on drugs or alcohol. But you still need these outside forces to be kicked in. Mm-hmm. But for the trauma, there is no uh, uh, predisposition argument. So it still comes down to the the issues of um, uh, uh, specific versus uh, uh, continuous traumas. Okay, so something happened or didn't happen that needed to happen, and it's sort of turning turning that inward on oneself and then self medicating. Is that what I'm getting here? You just saved. So you basically just saved a ten minute monologue. <laughs> if I would have, if we would have done preparation, uh, the the <laughs> listeners would have gotten that a lot less painlessly. Uh, well, no, I actually I really appreciate. I appreciate it. I like the way that you put it because it puts it into a story form, and that really helps people to relate. So I'm just putting it in a nutshell to make sure I'm getting you getting it across properly. But you're doing a great job of it, and I think that's very relatable because I find a lot of my clients have childhood sexual abuse or they have an inattentive or absent parent. It's, it, it just kind of runs the, runs the gamut of neglect and of abuse and of pain and suffering. And it's just they're struggling to be able to be in a special place of just existing without needing a constant medication of some kind. And the self-medicating is so readily available. I mean, 15, 16, I remember at camp. I remember in school. I remember in the library. Kids had Coke in the library in high school. I mean, it's, it's insane how, how available it was even back then in the 80s. I can't even imagine what they're dealing with now. And now we're in this opioid epidemic, and the addiction across right. America, we know about that. And I'd like you to speak a little bit about that. I mean, we're losing people left and right. Everybody's seeing it. It does not discriminate. It's not the poor. It's not the rich. It's not the black. It's not the white. It's everyone. And I'd really like you to get into that a little bit. And then there's also a war on treatment, and I want to talk about that because my own sister had brain surgery last year, and she asked right. me the question just last week, what, Danielle, what are they doing to keep people from being addicted? And I said, you know what? I have a really good question for Richard Tate then because I work in aftercare. So I get people after they come out of one of 40 rehabs. I don't work Mm -hmm. in a facility. I'm private. So I would love to know also what are people doing to avoid these addictions taking place in the first place to these prescription drugs. So let's first start talking a little bit about this, um, this opioid epidemic and what you know about it, which is a lot. Let's get into that. Well, it, in a nutshell, uh, since we're doing the nutshell thing, <laughs> um, uh, somebody's dying of an accidental overdose in this country every 19 minutes. Mm. Okay. Um, uh, you know, when, when we started at Cliffside Malibu and opened our doors in 2005, about 20% of the people we treated were addicted to prescription opiates. And now it's like 90%. That's insane. So, and, 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 and it's reflective uh, of, of society. I mean, we are, uh, we are exactly, um, we exactly correlate 
uh, to what's going on with society. I mean, it's gone up by all accounts uh, about 450%. Some studies, depending on which government study you look at, uh, whether it's the NIH or the CDC or SAMHSA, it, you know, everybody's got their different take on it, but it's all between 450 and 600% in the last 12, 13 years. Okay? And that's, wow. that's a big problem. Now, yes. I think that the problem has occurred because, you know, when you're, first of all, everybody thinks go to the doctor, the doctor knows. And that has been pounded into us as people, as a society, the mm-hmm. doctor knows. Mm-hmm. Okay. When it comes to addiction, the doctor doesn't have a clue. Not only does he not know, he doesn't have a clue, which is why I send my addiction research fellow all over the globe every year. She's been on every continent, I think, except for Antarctica. Um, mm. And she has, and she teaches doctors about drug addiction and drug abuse, okay, and really what they're creating and how to stop creating it. So in medical school, four years of medical school, doctors have 11 hours of pain management training, just 11 hours. That's it? That's right. None of those 11 hours are on the consequences of the pain management, Mm. so the substance abuse. So they get told, give people these opiates. They're called painkillers for a reason. They kill pain. Mm-hmm. And uh, without talking about the, you know, the, the collateral side effects. Now, let me tell you what the collateral side effects are. Please do. The CDC just put out a report not more than 45 days ago, I believe, that recommended that opiates not be prescribed by doctors for longer than three to seven days, period, end of story. These opiates were not made for longer use than that. They Mm -hmm. create addiction longer than that, Mm -hmm. and therefore, you know, pain right after surgery. Okay, that's what these things are made for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after two and a half to three and a half years is usually the sweet spot where someone has been on these opiates for that long, their organs start shutting down. Okay, and that's why they die in their sleep. Okay, their heart slows to a stop. You know, a a mother is putting out her kid's clothes and planning on what she's going to make her child uh, for lunch the next morning. And, you know, she, you know, has a couple pills, maybe uh, some sleep medication with that, uh, you know, uh, maybe a glass of wine earlier. And she's Mm -hmm. been on these opiates for long term and she just doesn't wake up. Talk about trauma. The child has to wake up the mother in the morning. The mother isn't waking up, and this child is left in a home alone. Terrible. Okay, with 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 that with that trauma for the rest of her life or his oh. life. So, you know, this is happening all over America, and it's happening every 19 minutes. So, um, the president, I believe, has a tremendous soul, and he just uh, 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 created a policy that mm-hmm. basically said. Uh, uh, doctors are no longer allowed to just simply give a refill on these prescription opiates. Mm-hmm. In other words, you're going to have to, the practical effect of this is going to be you're going to have to go into a, 
doctor's office and get a refill. The doctor's actually going to have to see what he's created as Mm -hmm. if he'll even be able to notice it and write this guy's script and get him back out there for his second month. But after a couple weeks, you're physically dependent. You know, 10 days, two weeks, uh, you know, you're physically dependent on this thing. So it's a step in the right direction, but like all social change, it's it's like a dimmer switch. It's not mm-hmm. a light switch. It, mm-hmm. it, it, all, it all goes in degrees. So right. uh, they're getting better at it. Uh, the CDC report has no teeth at all, none. It's simply a recommendation. And the good doctors will take that under advisement and adhere to that. And the guys that don't bother to know or don't care won't. And that's the reality of the world we're living in right now. I mean, it's unbelievable that it's gotten to this degree. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And it's such, such terrible stories that we hear of these overdoses constantly. And the, mm-hmm. there's really a war on treatment as well because the, uh, the legislation and the insurance companies, there's things that are changing now. If we can talk a little bit more about that, I'd appreciate it because... I don't know what's happening. What's going on with the Parity Act, the Affordable Care Act? What, what do you know that's going on? Well, you know, the Affordable Care Act, in, in a nutshell, was something that um, uh, our president uh, uh, decided to do. Um, it was a great idea. Uh, I still don't think it's a bad idea. I think it's uh, uh, just being abused and misused. And, you know, when you have a good soul, like I, the president's a good man, okay? Yeah. He, he, he wants to do well. He wants to, to make the country, uh, he wants to leave the country better than he found it. I and I think he has uh, uh, 10 times over, and that's his goal. That's his mission, right? Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. believe it. Then yes. there's the drug czar. His name is uh, Mr. Botticelli, and he's and he is a recovering addict himself. He's one of us. He's a good man. Um, I think he wants to do well and leave the country better than he found it, it within his sphere of influence. Okay. But what's happening is when you have um, uh, uh, CEOs of insurance companies and CEOs of pharmaceutical companies, which have to do better quarter over quarter, year over year, like their life depends on it. Mm-hmm. And you've got some, you know, these guys are literally uh, fighting for their survival. And then on the other hand, you've got the president and, and, and the drugs are who are doing something to, um, you know, uh, be an asset and create value for for the disenfranchised and 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 the afflicted. You know, you've got two different motivations. One mm-hmm. is kind and loving and 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 mindful and empathetic, and right. the other is survival. Okay, survival always wins. It's like yes, going it to does. Vegas. Okay, the mm-hmm. house always wins, and these guys are the house, and so they're winning because of the abuse and. Uh, I don't know how close you are to break. I don't want to uh, – how, how much time we got? Uh, we have a few more minutes before break. Go right ahead. Okay. So, you know, 
the Affordable Care Act was a great idea, and it still can be a, a, a great idea. But what's happening is, um, uh, so let me give you an example. Please. So insurance companies now, uh, you know, you had to give everybody uh, substance abuse treatment. Mm-hmm. That you had to. You couldn't treat uh, someone. You couldn't treat someone dependent on drugs, a drug addict, different than someone with cancer. You, right. That's that's illegal. Okay. <clears throat> now, right. I've looked at a policy this morning that is not at all uncommon. It's got a fifteen thousand dollar deductible. Mm-hmm. and max out of pocket that you have to take, you must take, then it will give a one to $3,000 benefit. So somebody's literally got to pay $15,000 in order to get the insurance company to kick in one to $3,000 to add to your treatment. Now, so is that really Basically, insurance? these people think they're insured and they're not. That's right. It, it, I mean, that's not insurance, is it? No, it's not. And that something needs to change like because it's illegal that's... not to provide it for, for addiction, but yet it's really not being provided for. I'd like to go to break for a moment, and then we'll come back and talk about this a little bit more. So um, let's take a short break, and we'll be right back with Richard Tate. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com On It's Absolutely All About You, host Eileen Nunez bases her show on the forthcoming book of the same name. If you've been taught to hold your head high and keep your self-esteem in check, where do you go if you aren't yet achieving that goal? Each program is based on a chapter of the book, and comes from Eileen's many years of experience in order to help you find your inner peace. Listen for It's Absolutely All About You, live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. If you'd like to connect with Danielle, feel free to send an email to therealdealwithdanielle at gmail.com. That's therealdealwithdanielle at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, we're back. This is Danielle Delaney, and we've been talking with Richard Tate today, and he is the founder and CEO of Cliffside Malibu Treatment Center and the best-selling author of Ending Addiction for Good. So, Richard, let's continue talking a little bit more about this insurance situation. That's really important for right. people to know. I don't think people are aware of what we're dealing with with insurance. So it's not just um, the phony policies that create the impression of a substance abuse benefit where there is none, essentially. Mm-hmm. There's also this new medical necessity criteria. So let me explain. This is going to be real easy. 
So for the better part of four decades, the insurance industry has gone ahead and conditioned the public to think that 28 days was the, um, the requisite necessary treatment for someone who had alcoholism or drug addiction. Mm-hmm. There was even a movie. 28 uh, days, 28 exactly. 28 days. That's right. And if you and I walk down the street, hand in hand, of New York, mm-hmm. and we asked 100 people, how long does it take to treat drug addiction or alcoholism? They would all either say 28 days or 30 days, because that was the message that was perpetuated by the insurance industry. Now, we know that it's longer. We know that the science says 90 90 days days. or or more. Mm -hmm. Okay? And really, the truth is, it's... The, the 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 more succinct truth, the more exact truth is, where are you on your stage of change, right? Mm-hmm. Because somebody who comes in completely willing is going to need less time than someone who comes in in complete denial. That right, you sense, need to meet them right? where they are. Exactly. That's right. But But overall, okay, with the broad brush, it's 90 days plus, mm-hmm. okay? Well, now uh, you come to treatment, expecting 28 to 30 days in a licensed residential treatment facility. And a lot of times people will get here and the insurance company will say, I'm sorry, they don't meet medical necessity for treatment. They have to go outpatient. So Mm. you have to literally send them home and do an outpatient program. This happens all of the time. Mm-hmm. What also happens is they come in, what you used to get was five to seven days of detox, 20 to 25 days of residential uh, uh, care in a, in, a, in a treatment facility. Mm-hmm. Now you'll get maybe one or two days of detox yes. and then straight to outpatient. So can That's you what imagine, I'm saying too. Yeah. Can you imagine yeah. somebody flying out from New York, okay, Getting, expecting to get 30 days of treatment, 28 days of treatment, because that's what they've been told or led to believe for the better part of four decades. Mm-hmm. And after, you know, uh, a day or two, uh, no more than a week to 10 days or so, they're told, yeah, it's time to move on. Okay? Now, mm. that, and what makes it worse is each insurance company has their own medical necessity guidelines. So what is there, like 30, 40 insurance companies? They all have their own. And you want to know what's even worse than that? Each insurance company, okay, has a different medical necessity guideline in each of the 50 states. So you're looking at between Mm -hmm. 1,000 and 2,000 different medical necessity guidelines. So what I'm telling you is in, in order to be in the um, healthcare industry right now, running a top-notch facility, you have to be closer to a rocket scientist or a brain surgeon than mm-hmm. a CEO. It's, it's next to mm-hmm. impossible. And, and so uh, it, that's another game that's being played in order to defray the cost. Now, what they're using is this um, medically-assisted treatment model, 
that the government is pursuing. Now, let me just go, let me give you a little background. Yeah, go that. into that, because I'm wondering how they're getting away with that. It, 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 they're, using, they're using what the government is trying to do mm-hmm. and go with the current so that they can go back to the administration and say, but wait a minute, we're doing what you want, what you want us to do. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily true, okay? Mm-hmm. See, I treat about 1,000 people a year. I've got a, a hard job. The drug czar is responsible for roughly 27 million drug addicts. So let's just say for sake of argument that his job's a lot harder than mine. Okay? <laughs> yes. Now, the problem with this is, is they did something that I thought uh, was very smart for society. They said, you know what, we're going to put people on Suboxone. Suboxone is like uh, uh, heroin light. So it's like medically assisted treatment. Okay. That's Mm -hmm. right. It keeps you about two-tenths high. Okay. So you're not really living. You're certainly not thriving. You're existing. But the reality is you're not committing crime to stay well, mm-hmm. good for society. Um, you're not uh, 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 perpetuating uh, 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 HIV or AIDS or hep C because of the needle usage, right? Mm-hmm. It's good, sound policy for the country, okay? It's mm-hmm. actually called harm reduction. Now, right, harm reduction, harm reduction exactly. Harm reduction that sounds like a great term, right? Harm reduction. Let's 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 reduce the harm one one causes on himself. Sounds like except for right, it's good. Mm-hmm. Except for this really isn't the best form of harm reduction. Mm-hmm. This is more harm reduction for society, not for the addict, not for the treatment. The best harm reduction mm-hmm. science says is failed top-notch treatment because let's say an insurance company does give you 30 days, okay, okay, and cuts you off, but you needed 90. What the studies show is you got cut loose by your insurance company. You go out into the world and you relapse because you weren't done yet. Mm-hmm. Right? You, you, I mean, if you, need to be, if you want to be a lawyer, you go for three years of law school. You don't get to say after one year, I'm going to be a lawyer and take the right. bar. Okay? You, you, don't, you don't get that option. No. Right? So it t- in life, it takes what it takes. Mm-hmm. So this guy needed 90 days. He got 30 authorized by his insurance company. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the ability to, sell, to self-pay. And he relapses after a few days. What the science says is, what the evidence shows is, is that the relapse is much less violent in terms of usage mm-hmm. and much shorter in terms of duration. So the person comes back, they know where the love is, they know where, 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 where they were cared for, and they come back and they do it again and maybe a third time, and then they go on and, and live the life they were always meant to live mm-hmm. uh, before being derailed by the drugs and the alcohol. That's harm reduction. That's okay. the best form of harm reduction. And I'm not against what the administration is doing because I understand the societal value. I just want to make certain that it comes with 
the requisite therapy and outpatient needed. So that way, after a certain period of time, okay, we wean these people off the Suboxone. Yes, okay? could you so give a couple of the get, other names so, of these substances, these drugs that are for the medically-assisted treatment so that people are aware of what you're speaking of? Well, Suboxone is, Suboxone is one, Subutex is another, but it's not as good as Suboxone because you can abuse it with the heroin. Right. Okay, so it, it's really no good. So the reason I don't like Suboxone is not just because you're living two-tenths high and you're not becoming the man or woman that you were always meant to be. Mm-hmm. It's, it's because it's like the old version of an abuse, right? Right. You have to take it every day. Mm-hmm. You have to take it every day in order for it to work. Well, what happens if you want to stop taking it? Okay, right? So right. I like something called Vivitrol. Yes, talk Vivitrol a little bit more about Vivitrol. That, I like Vivitrol too. Vivitrol is a shot that you get once a month. Mm-hmm. It does not get you high at all, and it still blocks the opiate receptor, preventing you from getting high. Mm-hmm. So if... If the administration really wanted to invest in medically assisted treatment, I think Vivitrol is a much better um, alternative because really what's happening is you're, this is the way we use the boxer. Let me take you through uh, a cliffside, a cliffside okay. detox. Yeah. So you're in cliffside and you come in detoxing uh, from opiates, right? And you have mm-hmm. to start coming down a little bit and get uncomfortable before you can use the Suboxone. So you Mm -hmm. start using the Suboxone right when they start to withdraw. And then they go, ah, I feel better, right? Mm -hmm. And you keep them on the Suboxone, slowly titrating them off of it anywhere from, you know, four to seven days. And that way, at about the seventh day in treatment, okay, they're completely sober on the natch. But then you need about 10 days before you can use the Vivitrol, right? And so isn't it great that you're in a safe, supportive, loving, empathetic, respectful environment with all the support you could need Mm -hmm. where you're taking in the love for that 10-day period between 7 and 17 days, right? Mm -hmm. Then then you're off the pink cloud. You know what that is, right? Yes. Okay, and your head starts working you over, and you get the Vivitrol shot. Mm-hmm. Okay, now all of a sudden, psychosomatically, what the addict says to himself is, "Okay, well, I guess I can chill for a little bit here and take this thing in and and and, and do the work because uh, I I ain't getting high for thirty days." Mm-hmm. And now that buys you an additional thirty days so that you can get this 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 opiate addict who has suffered repeated relapses and constant struggling, you get this guy for an additional 30 days where you can create the shift and show him what life is really about and how it's not bad. He wasn't bad, mm-hmm. okay, that, that there's nothing to self-medicate because at the end of the day, when people find out that all they've been doing is lying to themselves, right. for this, I mean, you, you almost feel like a fool. And the weight is lifted off of you, and that can only be done by repairing the old injury. You're right. That's why we're considered to be the finest therapy rehab in the country. And you are. You see what I'm and saying? I, I, pardon? So, uh, and then you've got the Narcan thing, which okay. uh, uh, which is critical 
Okay? I mean, there's nothing more important. That's what saved Prince on that plane. Okay, right. when tell they landed in that about other Narcan. State I know going. what Narcan is, but the listeners may not. So tell us a little more about Narcan. Narcan is when you overdose from opiates, mm-hmm. you get a shot, okay, and uh, it immediately uh, uh, stops the penetration of the opiate into the opiate receptor, and it, it literally saves your life. It keeps you from overdosing into death. Mm-hmm. That's what it does. Good. So That's it's critical, I'm... right? Okay. Okay. I mean, it's a life-saving drug. It's a life-saving measure. The administration has this a thousand percent right, mm-hmm. but it's not drug treatment. No. It's emergency medicine. Exactly. I mean, you don't you don't think of this as drug treatment when you. I mean, you would never. That's not. That doesn't fit anybody's idea of drug treatment. It's not. It's emergency medicine. It's critical. It's life-saving. Exactly. It's necessary. It's, but, it's, but it's not drug treatment. So, this is, so, we've, so we've gone through the, how the insurance company uh, or the insurance industry is actually uh, not following the, the guidelines of the Parity Act and, the, um, uh, 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 and of, uh, Obamacare. Right. Mm-hmm. We've mm-hmm. gone right, right, and we've gone through uh, the government's need uh, to help society through their medically assisted treatment. Okay, right. one one last thing on the medically assisted treatment. It's built on the fallacy, the bought science mm-hmm. that that says once a drug addict, always a drug addict, and we know that that's not true. Okay, because if that was true, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Exactly, exactly. Okay, Uh, nor would Mr. Botticelli uh, uh, be in his position, Mm -hmm. nor would, you know, every friend that I have who is recovered uh, uh, be living the lives that they're living now with families and, 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 and jobs and, you know, doing the good work that they do. So we know that that's a fallacy. Uh, this is all, uh, you know, as you get more sophisticated in the world, you realize that every study, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if I got 50 guys to do a study and the two quacks came up with uh, something that would uh, further my agenda, then I would bury the 48 uh, uh, MS True studies mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and publish the two quacks. Right? Exactly. If you to say further... it enough, people believe it's true. Absolutely. That's right. And 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 the worst is when you when you when people say, well, that's not what the science says. Okay. Well, you know, who did it? How was mm-hmm. it done? Who paid for it? You know. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like we've got to ask ourselves these questions now because it's not all black and white anymore. Life mm-hmm. has gotten a little more sophisticated. As, as the cloud is cleared in my brain, I'm starting to see things for what they are. And the last thing, the last part of what's really hindering me in, mm-hmm. in doing my job and hindering the other good providers in our space mm-hmm. from doing their jobs is the legislative efforts uh, Let's talk about that a little country. bit. Tell me more about that. So, yeah, and, and it's and it's and it's embarrassing, really, because 
even in California, I mean, we live, we, I think we have the highest um, uh, state taxes in California, and nobody cares. We'll, we'll gladly pay them for the, mm-hmm. per, for the privilege of living in a state like California. It's progressive. It's mindful. It's, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, are, we are the fifth uh, biggest economy in the world, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, you know, living in California is a privilege. I mean, it is. you know, I mean, nobody, I mean, I, not, not to disparage anybody in Kansas who might be listening to you, but nobody's ever <laughs> lived in uh, uh, California and said, all right, one day I'm going to get out of here and move to Kansas. Okay. Well, that, that somebody has, but, but we don't know. I that. mean, I mean, that's been said by no one ever. Okay. <laughs> let's just agree on that. Well, okay. I was born and raised in Angelino. I love it. I, the weather's can't be the weather can't be beat. It's wonderful here. It's true. It's a privilege. And it's and it's and it's the people. It's the mindfulness of the people. It's it's about being it's about being proud of living in a in a progressive um society that is, you know, at the forefront of uh, uh things that better the world, technology and and, and different forms of energy and solar and I mean, you know, well, you're I mean, right. it's a forward thinking state, absolutely. That's right. And so and so even though it costs more to live here and the taxes are greater and all these other things, we don't mind because to live somewhere else is just a non a non-starter unless it's New York. And New York mm-hmm. is another progressive. Everything that California is, New York is. I mean, these exactly. are, that's why people call them the left and right coasts, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so what's really embarrassing to me personally is like, so, so for example, we've got something in California mm-hmm. brought up by a Democrat. I mean, he brought this, this, this bill out this Democrat, who I'm sure is a very nice man, uh, I'm sure just doesn't understand, okay, how embarrassing this is. Mm-hmm. But he's literally letting five or six wealthy communities dictate the needs of every drug addict, alcoholic, substance abuse uh, 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 substance-dependent person mm-hmm. in the state. So what this guy wanted to do to please his uh, constituents and the constituents of the other uh, five or six small little uh, areas, which, by the way, take up less than 1% of mm-hmm. the entire population of the state, mm-hmm. in order to make these people comfortable so that they didn't have treatment centers in their backyard, they were... Uh, proposing that all these onerous um, uh, things in this bill that would literally decimate thousands of treatment beds in California. Now, to let you know how bad that is, please. Uh, only about 10% of the people that need treatment right now in California have available treatment beds. And they wanted to, by some estimates, uh, take that... Uh, uh, bed space and cut it in half. Did you say only 10%, Richard? No, I, I know it is. Wow. I don't think it is. I know it is. Only 10% of the people who actually need treatment in California and the country, for that matter, are actually getting it. 
I mean, That's this is the, and it's getting worse. That this, is this is the worst epidemic we've ever faced mm-hmm. in our lifetimes. It is the epidemic of our time. I do agree with you. And that is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. That is embarrassing. So We can do better. What I mean, needs to be done? I mean, I would expect this. This is the type of a thing when I look at it, right, that I would expect from, you know, very right-wing, conservative um, uh, legislators that are constantly attacking women's reproductive rights mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. this country. Right. Okay? And, and, and this is going on in, in our progressive neighborhoods, in our progressive state in California. It's really, it's, it's something that is, is really unprecedented, and, and I don't really understand it, and I don't think this gentleman who, uh, you know, I, we've got mutual friends, mm-hmm. uh, and I've heard really good things about him. I don't think he understands it, because if I think he understood it, um, I, I don't think he'd be advocating for it. Well, for what it. needs to be done to change it? What can we do, Richard? I mean, we're speaking about it now. We're being heard right now. What can, what, what can be the next step? Well, the first thing that you've got to realize is I don't, I, you know, the, the smart listener, the, the evolved listener here is going to say, well, wait a minute, your center is in one of those affluent places, so you're just helping yourself. So let's get that, let's get the elephant out of the room, uh, out of the way. Okay. Uh, okay. Here's, here's, the, here's the issue. This thing would never get passed without being grandfathered in. Okay? okay, and if it did, it would be in litigation, and I'm on the right side of it. So you know, remember the whole survival yes. analogy I gave you yes, earlier. Yes, I do. Okay, so this, so this is you know, I'm going to win that. I'm on the right side of that. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, they know that. Okay, and that's why they're looking for a deal to grandfather us in. So if we were grandfathered in, that actually makes us more valuable, not less valuable. Okay, we can agree mm-hmm. on that. This is legislation that will actually help me personally, help me financially. But it's bad policy because it helps it because it hurts addicts and their families. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm a recovering addict and I've got a family and I've got children and this isn't okay. And it's never going to be okay. No. So that's so. Do you see what I'm saying? I do. At the end of the day, we have to take care of each other. You know, I've got a big life. Okay, I've got a good life and two beautiful children, and you know, uh, I help people for a living, and you know, this is a good thing for me. But you know, I don't think uh, you know uh, God saves you from drowning to kick you to death on the beach. No, That's just not how He works. No. Okay. Uh, uh, he does bank shots. God does bank shots just to show off. <laughs> and I don't think he loves me any more than he loves anybody else. And if I can get this thing uh, uh, with, the, with the care that I got, and now that we know how to do it in 2016, it's very easy. We give that to somebody else. Everybody should have uh, access to this type of care. Everyone is deserving then, of treatment. I absolutely everybody agree with you. That's and right. it's so important. It's happened? so important that it's made available to everyone. Well, Richard, it has been such an education having you on. I want to throw out your Twitter handle in case people want to reach you and argue with you. <laughs> They're welcome to do that. And that is that's okay. I won't. Richard. I won't. I won't answer it. But they can go to cliffsidemalibu.com. <laughs> 
they can uh, uh, friend us on Facebook. I love the Facebook. The Twitter, not so much. But okay. you can find me on Twitter, Richard Tate or Cliffside Malibu, and the same on uh, uh, um, uh Facebook and Twitter, uh, and uh, uh, I try to get to everybody I can. Okay, great. And they can also reach me. You can all reach me at it's Danny Delaney on Twitter. My email is the real deal with Danielle at gmail dot com, and my website is DanielleDelaneyCounseling dot com. And I would hope that everyone comes back next week, Tuesday at two p.m. Pacific Standard Time, to listen to this show. Always educational. Thank you so much, Richard. Very empowering. And we just need to all come together and do the things we need to do to stop this epidemic in its tracks and to do everything we can to reverse it now that we're in it. Right. So thank you so much for all of the information. And everyone take care and have a great day. Thanks for joining us this week. Be sure to catch The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney live every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait for you to see what's in store next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.